And welcome to Join Java Biblical Discussions to Fuel Your Faith. I'm Pastor Brian. I'm here with Pastor Kristen All. And as usual, we're going to talk about the Bible and about our lives and about church and Jesus and God and uh, everything in between. If I'm just going off experience here. Like, right, I think right. we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, but mainly the Bible. And we are in the third book of First John. But before we dive in, Kristen, how you doing? Welcome back to Thank you. Ohio. And welcome yeah. back to the, the almost weekly podcast. Right. Right. I appreciate the almost <laughs> weekly podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great to be back. I spent a week in Michigan, a little more than a week uh, with my parents. My dad had a major back surgery that he came through beautifully and um it's a second one this winter so we're just rejoicing that that gauntlet is over and he's mm. done well and he can move forward now instead of waiting for another one so and the other fantastic thing yes is that michigan is at least two if not three weeks behind weather-wise in the spring because of the big lakes okay. so when i came home it was all green and the flowers were up and the bud. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. It's right. like, so kind right. of like a little fast forward, you know, into the spring. Yeah. So, See, right there, that's the difference between where you live and where I live because as far as properties, because our, our house in our whole little two-block allotment here was built over top marshes, and so they had to build it up a little bit. So our backyards get horrendously muddy and wet. So uh, we're still living in that. We are appreciative, though, of the green grass. Because yeah. I was, I there, there's a few times uh, just recently where I go, Devin, I don't know if our grass is going to turn green again or not. Like, right. you know, <laughs> right? Uh, you lose a little hope over the winter, right? Yeah, I do want to <laughs> yeah. say too. Last summer, we talked an awful lot on this podcast about the green algae in your pool. <laughs> And so I'm hoping that 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 will be uh, not the case for this summer, but there is a new topic that might be ongoing that I might be able to report on weekly is our mole problem oh. in our yard. We've got it all winter. Oh. It started at the very beginning of winter. We started having moles in our front yard. And, you know, I did the thing where I put the pellets in their little things and try it, but it just, they just kept growing tunnels and then I thought I had it taken care of, and then I started seeing a ton of mole tunnels in our backyard. But it's winter time. We've got chickens too, so we're real hesitant on what we put on the grass because they're we right. they're free range yeah. a lot during the day, and so and we've got neighbors that have twelve chickens. We have seven. They right. have twelve. So we're like, we don't want to just put anything down on the grass because that means we have to contain our chickens and they're born, to, you know, we need them to lay eggs and be happy and get sunshine and eat bugs out of our yard. And so, so uh, anyways, our yard is infested uh, with oh, no. them all through at least a, you, there's a straight line from our front yard where our driveway is. And if you follow that side of the driveway straight back, you can just follow and see mole stuff. Oh man! Everywhere, so that's going to be our ongoing saga. I need prayer, folks. I'm reaching <laughs> out to our brothers and sisters in Christ today. Pray over the moles that they will go away and not tear up our yard anymore. But anyway, <laughs> spring's coming. We got we got somebody going to help us a little bit. But well, good, good, good. I was going to say what you need is an alley cat. But, you know, with those chickens, I don't know. The chickens might be the, an easier right. prey than the there are There are a couple cats in the neighborhood that do wander and do catch mice. Yeah. Uh, but they don't really ever come down towards our house. And uh, you've heard me talk about the Robinsons before. They have a cat yeah. that is, yeah, I think, do. a good yeah. mouser. But I don't think that cat comes down towards our house. It goes across the street behind the neighbors across the street from them. A little bit, but I just don't think we've never seen that cat come this far down. So there you go. That's what you need. Hey, you know what we need? We need, need to pray for the Robinsons to buy a few more cats and release them. <laughs> uh, as long as nobody else in the neighborhood feeds them and as long as they're spayed. Well, that's what I'm thinking. All you need is a trail of like canned cat food to your backyard <laughs> until you, and then you slowly remove the food. Until they're trained that, you know, they should always check your yard. And while they're yeah. there, maybe get 
a vole as, unless they go for your chickens. So yeah, you could maybe put something untasteful on your chickens, you know, like cayenne pepper or something. So yeah, like, just sprinkle it over their bodies right, right. one at a time. And <laughs> you, you really and good. we go ahead and do that, Kristen. Uh, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, one more story. So oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Haley was growing up, our neighbor you sprinkled her, cayenne pepper all over Haley. No, that's not okay, true. Okay, okay. We, we, we her, our neighbors asked her to take care of their lizard while they were on vacation, and um, the lizard needed to be fed live crickets. And Haley, who is a huge animal person of all sorts, was not real happy about having to feed something live. To something else alive, oh, right? So, and, and then apparently you have to take the crickets and they, because the lizards live in a cage, they need some extra vitamins. So you're supposed to take a cricket, you put the live cricket in a Ziploc bag and you put <laughs> vitamin powder on it and you like shake it, like shake and make, and then you put the cricket in the lizard's cage. Fascinating. What we did, what we didn't know is if you put too much vitamin powder on the cricket, um, the cricket turns white and dies, and then right. the lizard, Can't and then the breathe. lizard won't, the lizard will not eat the crickets. <laughs> so now, crickets. not only did she have to feed live crickets, she first killed crickets by putting too much vitamin powder on them. Then we had to go buy new crickets to feed the lizard. It was a whole traumatic <laughs> experience, and uh, never wanted the lizard. No, right, right. You want to feed any shake and bake crickets to anything. <laughs> shake and bake crickets. <laughs> Although you fry those suckers up, I'd tr probably try it. I'd I actually, it. I have eaten a cricket when we were in Mexico. Uh, apparently, that's a good source of protein that you add to your guacamole. All right. But well. I, had a, I really had a hard time. <laughs> See, if you wouldn't have told me, I probably would have, oh, this is the most delicious well, guacamole yeah. ever. You you know? What's that extra dip? crunch? You know? What do you think makes Joe's bean dip so delicious? I knew it. I knew there was secret a secret ingredient. Secret, secret ingredients. <sighs> okay. I, I think maybe um, we should uh, steer back towards the point. What do you think? <laughs> Easter Sunday, Pursuit Friends there Church we go. is going to have a potluck donut gathering. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> inside joke. We, we, we are excited for yet another Easter Sunday as, as I'm sure many churches are. Uh, but we're going to, both our house churches are coming together at Deborah house church. So we're not going to be at the Donahue's house. If you listen to this and you come to Whitmer house church, remember it's at the all's house this week. Absolutely. And our Facebook page, uh, we'll have that, the address all over that and the information, but we are, um, gonna not have our usual potluck uh, thing after church as we normally do, at least at Whitmer. I know you guys do it beforehand, but uh, because we're meeting at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Deborah House Church, we're gonna gather at about 9:40 if you want to, and bring some donuts and OJ or whatever, and and we'll have coffee and we're gonna just fellowship and enjoy. I know me and my kids are looking forward to a buffet of donuts in. Uh, just a little bit extra donut joy on Easter morning. And then, of course, we're going to celebrate with great enthusiasm and energy the resurrected Christ and what that means for us today. Um, mm. And it's just going to be a good time to gather. You're going to see uh, different leadership doing different things throughout the service and hear different voices. And it's just going to be a wonderful time and a celebration that we're still in it, Kristen. Yeah. God is still moving and having his way. Absolutely. Uh, so it's a good time of year to celebrate that as well. So it's going to be good. I'm looking us. forward to it. You should join us if you don't have a church Absolutely. Home and you're somehow listening to this podcast. And, <laughs> uh, or maybe you thought, you know, I've never visited. Easter Sunday is a great Sunday to visit. Um, and so check us out uh, 10 a.m. Sunday morning at Deborah House. Excellent. Church. Yes. And I don't know what else to say right now, except... Uh, let's go to First John. That's a great idea. Thank you. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> we're, we're in the third chapter. And Kristen, do you want to bring us up to speed on what's yeah. going on here? Yeah, I made a few notes here. And, you know, some of this is repetitive 
Um, but I hope that people appreciate that I do, um, because as we have kind of gone over the overview every week, it helps for me to solidify in my mind. So, you know, in a couple of years when I come back here, mm-hmm. I hope that all these things stick in my head um, as they've been really helpful. Um, and for me, they've really made the message of First John uh, much richer and much more applicable to the world around me. So I hope that they are beneficial to people as well. Um, So what's important to know here is it is written by John. He's writing to the early church believers. These are people who um, knew of people who saw or knew Jesus, but they had not for the most part. So we're talking real early in the church here. They're meeting in homes. um, And John writes to encourage these home fellowships Um, as they have had people who have been a part of their tight-knit community and have left to follow other teachings about Jesus, other incorrect teachings. And they're often called the sessionists because they've left. And these are all kinds of teachings, like Jesus was not really a flesh and blood human, or he wasn't fully divine, or uh, what we do in the flesh doesn't matter. Um, there, and you could really go deep mm. on all of those things, but that just gives you some some idea of some of the issues is how they were trying to make sense of what really happened with Jesus. And these people who had left um, are then coming back and trying to convince the community that they need to follow them instead, that they have a new way to understand this. And um, it's really creating a lot of tension and uncertainty and doubt in the early church. Um, And so to, to combat that, John writes this letter in which he's trying to give the early church believers some real clarity. And there are kind of two main things that he's trying to anchor them in and these are this is something that I'm going to keep with me um, just as anchors in my own life is that number one they know that Jesus was divine that he Mm. came in the flesh right and that he is the savior like who Jesus is one anchor (laughs) second anchor is that we are called to love like Jesus loved and if you have those two anchors he's like then you're gonna you're gonna be secure you're gonna know Um, how to live. You're going to know who's with you. You're going to be able to sort through these things that are coming at you that may make you confused or undermine your faith or how you're living. And um, so that's really what he's been laying out as we've worked through this book. And that brings us up, I think, pretty much. Um, We might want to start in 228, Mm -hmm. um, just a couple verses before chapter three here. So yeah, that's good. Thank you for that um, follow-up and introduction to, and just it's the context is so important here. And I, for me, Kristen, like this first John, second John, third John, it all that's really important. That context is really important. The original audience is so helpful to know, in particular here, because there are some kind of confusing things uh, yeah. from just reading it plainly, you know without yeah. diving deeper. Um, and so it's really helpful. One of the things we talked about uh, at Whitmer this week is is that it's okay if there are some things that don't apply to our situation. It doesn't mean it's not important. It doesn't mean it wasn't impacting to this original context and audience. But part of this, part of the great, well, not fun, but maybe challenge, is discerning, okay, what really does what which part of this do we really need to hold on to you mm-hmm. know yeah um and so it's it's kind of this amazing journey we get to go on as we read yeah. god's word let me read yeah. just the beginning I part agree. of this Kristen, if that's okay and yeah, this let's is go. this is starting in chapter 2 verse 28 and now little children abide in him that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And now we're in chapter three. Behold (laughs) what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Let's kind of unpack that for a minute. Mm -hmm. 
jump into that. Mm. You know, one of the things that I have loved um, if that shows up here, and it shows up a few places in John's letter here, is this uh, dear children phrase, because it's often sometimes translated as beloved. And mm -hmm. uh, that's something that we've talked a lot about as a church, just recognizing our beloved identity as children of God. Um, and I just love, you know, we often quote the verse, it's the, right, the beginning of three, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And um, it's just such a beautiful picture, especially for those of us who have had uh, you know, good families, a good family experience. I know that's not the case for everyone in this mm -hmm. broken world, but for those of us who have that picture to reflect on, um, it it just brings that to life. What what that means, you know? Yeah, and it, and isn't it interesting too, Kristen, that kind of the in a sense, but not really. Oh my goodness! Like I, I would call John perhaps the originator of beloved identity as far as written down to a degree mm -hmm. where he, you know, I, and I always joke about, he always says the disciple who Jesus loved or, mm -hmm. you know, but mm -hmm. John, John really understood the love that Jesus had for him and what that meant for him and who he was and what he was capable of and what he was called to. Mm -hmm. And, but you also look back though, you also look at David. Mm -hmm. David wrote many things, and this is before Jesus, before David's understand had any concept yeah. of Jesus, oh, yeah. the Messiah. David um, has so many lines about the love of God, and that even though he's, you know, his soul, he is wretched sinner, that that God still loves him. Like I believe David really believed that about himself. We see that in his writings. Uh, that he understood the love of God mm. um, way ahead of his time in an era where we would say, you know, it's the harshness of God and the judgment of God mm -hmm. and all this stuff. David got it. Yeah. And um, so that's like, that goes way back when, and here's John saying this to us too. Yeah. You know, the other thing, uh, chase that rabbit just a little further that I love um, is that biblically, that love is not just the love of a father. Um, you know, there are a lot of times in scripture where that love is described as a mother's love, the mm -hmm. gathering, you know, as a mother will never forget her children. As it, So it is both, it's represented in both mothers and fathers, um, God's parental love towards us. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that's a, it's a much richer picture than sometimes when we only think of God as father. Um, this, it just kind of opens that up a little bit. Yeah. And I also love kind of the language here, here, which I, I believe is um, describing perhaps when we actually meet God face to face mm. uh, in heaven here. But mm. I love this in verse three, this, this really correlates well with the sum of John's gospel, but also first, second and third John and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So in other words, because of our place of belovedness and what that means and how that frees us and how that releases us to live a certain way, we are living in such a way where we are giving testimony to the love of God and the goodness of God. And so in that is that process. Some people call it sanctification mm -hmm. um, to where we are just drawing more and more closer to God. And it's not mm -hmm. like we stop and we're, you know, that's, that's all the work God can do in my life and I'll be purified yeah. when I meet him face to face. No, it's, this work is continuing. It's the amazing, redemptive, restorative work of Jesus, bringing us all back to himself and growing us more and more in his likeness mm. um, is part of the hope of the gospel. In Absolutely. Our and I love the language there uh, and the way you talked about it, that it is about... Um, being drawn by his beauty, uh, by his appearance, um, you know, the hope we have in him and that we are, it is not a um, uh, beat down 
<laughs> right? It's not a straighten yourself up. It's yeah. a freedom to live in a new kingdom, using a little different mm-hmm. language, you living in a new family with different resources and different rules. And uh, it's a profound uh, change such that it's considered new life, right? That it's so different that we can... Um, move through the world in a completely new and different way. Mm. And John is using that here to try to help them because he's like, they're trying to sort out like, oh, wait, who's right? Like these people, you know, they're claiming that the spirit told them that Jesus was a man that was then adopted and then the spirit left before he died or whatever. You know, they're saying they don't have any sin because the flesh doesn't matter. And they're trying to sort that out. And John is trying to get like ground them. And he's Mm -hmm. like, look, this is how you know that you are children of God because you're acting like children of God. <laughs> like that's, that's how you know. And he's um, pointing out to them that if other people are saying they're they are children of God, but their lives do not line up. And we're not talking about perfection. I love that because right. he kind of gets mm-hmm. into that in six. But their allegiance has not been, has been decided, yeah, right? Yeah. Like where is your, where is your direction? Um, he's saying if they're not moving in that direction, then they are not pr- uh, living the truth they are not believing yeah. the truth that that connection between the actions and the beliefs mm-hmm. you know and, and also this i mean you know we have to keep this in context with other things john has said um which you just did Kristen. but also i mean this is also like this is the picture of christ the the, the example the mm. deity of christ was coming into question and right. his, his own righteousness and perfection. And could he even be God and fully man? And so mm-hmm. John is saying here in the next few verses, which which we don't read, it's four through nine. Oh, yeah, I jumped ahead, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. that's okay. That's okay. It's great because <laughs> uh, it's great is what is where I was going to go next. So, yeah, yeah. Is, it's Jesus was that. Right. Don't let anyone deceive you. And it's also, you know, and it's also a mindset towards sin. You know, we cannot Mm -hmm. have this lackadaisical, is that a word? Did I use that word? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Okay, thank you. We we can't have this (laughs) lackadaisical attitude about sin, this kind of impartiality, this kind of um, lazy way of looking at sin where we we have to understand the love that God has shown us should and the grace and the mercy and the freedom we experience as a result of that is should lead us to walk more and more righteous um, and have a heart for that and an aim for that and a desire for that. If we don't have any desire for that, that's a problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if, if we're born of God, we should not want to sin. And when we do sin, we should go, I don't want, why did I do that? I don't, that's not what I want. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. there ought to be a struggle with that in our hearts where it's not just, yeah, I'm going to do this because it feels good, but it's, I'm going to think through this and seek the Lord and I'm going to make decisions more and more that are going to lead towards life and righteousness and holiness and a closer walk with the Lord. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I love that in nine, because uh, he's talking about what you're talking about as a seed, Mm -hmm. right? And it makes me think of like the mustard seed, that's a weed that, you know, you just can't kill it once it gets started. And Jesus Mm -hmm. said, the kingdom of God is like this mustard seed. You throw it out there. It doesn't look like much, but you try pulling it out. You try, you know, you try taming it. You try. And so he's saying like the seed of new life is in believers. And if I am not seeing a growth in that direction, then I need to go back to the Lord and have and and be like, okay, what's going on here? What why am I not experiencing the mm. kingdom? And mm-hmm. and it is a process and it does take time, but um, but I love that idea of the seed is in there or it's not in there. If you're yeah. seeing people who are not um, you know, like the, we're coming to them and saying, oh, no, we're also part of the body. But they weren't <laughs> following the teaching of Jesus. They weren't laying their, down their lives for each other. They weren't participating in the community. They weren't holding the identity of Christ. Yeah. Your actions are coming from a different seed. <laughs> They're not coming from the seed of God's new life, you know. Yeah. 
And that's the thing. That's the thing I think that we can pray over each other for in the body yes. is, you know, because there are believers at various different parts of their walk and their journey and their relationship with the Lord. And I remember at times in in past ministry experiences, like, come on, why don't you want to be a part of this? Why don't you know? And very yeah. kind of harshly, even in my heart judging people and saying, oh, you yeah. just don't get it, you know? Well, we're all in this process and journey and we need to have patience with each other in this, in this thing we call community and church. And um, at the same time though, John is very blatantly saying we need to have some discernment. Right. Uh, we need to understand what truth is. We have to understand who Jesus is. And right. all of that in turn informs who we are and how we react and respond to the world. And that's kind of the next sex section in a way is uh, in verse 10 is um, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. And that's harsh language. But again, I think it's probably wasn't quite as harsh back then for their context Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother, which he, John, talks about this all the time. For this is mm -hmm. the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was wicked one and murdered his brother. Why, and why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And that last mm -hmm. statement is um, kind of harsh or, or kind of hard to understand because we know for a fact that there are people who have committed murder who repent and cry out to God and ask for forgiveness, and we believe they're saved uh, into eternal life. Now, there's earthly consequences, obviously, but um, this is talking more about like a, a whole life of murder and never repenting, never turning to God, giving yourself over to those desires and that sinful nature and continuing in that. Um, and so we do have hope, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> We yeah. do have hope. And I, and I think that this, again, you know, because we might go back and say, well, Jesus said if you're angry with your brother, it's the same as committing murder. So does that mean I'm not going to heaven? Nah, you know, it's it's this whole lifestyle. And this is what John is trying to warn this early church about. Yeah. Is like well, you and said, I think Kristen, it's got to be, there's got to be fruit. Yeah. And I think one of the clues there is it doesn't say anyone who has ever committed murderer murder <laughs> get the tenses right committed it murderer says, you know no murderer that means that is still your status that is still your identity at that point you have not it's not something in your past right mm -hmm. and and john is trying to make a very clear statement he's saying there are two ways of living <laughs> one is in god's kingdom from the seed of the holy spirit in his presence, and that is eternal life. The other is the way of the world and everything that opposes the way God loves and lives and has called us to be holy in the world. And so he's drawing this very clear picture of those two things. Um, but the, you know, eternal life is, is supposed to bear fruit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is being in God's presence. And if there is no, never any fruit there, he's saying, it's pretty clear that it doesn't exist. It's kind of, I think we get it backwards. We feel like if we say that we are withholding the seed from somebody else, we're not, he's not trying to withhold eternal life from anybody. He's saying, <laughs> it's just, you can just tell, right? Like it, it is, there are, there is evidence, you know, it's, it's not like we're withholding light. It, yeah. it just is, or it isn't right. And he's saying, look at the life. You either, it is either there or it's not, he's not actually um, holding that back from anybody. But what he is getting at, which I love too, that we haven't talked about is that we can't escape opposition um, because he, he kind of gets into that in 13, just talking about how because we have 
chosen another way through the world. Um, that means we cause friction wherever we go, no matter how polite and kind and gentle um, we are, it causes friction because we're the squeaky wheel who won't mm -hmm. go along with something. And, and that causes um, in some people hatred or dislike or alienation um, in our American culture, right? So yeah. um, he's saying, don't be surprised. In some ways, I feel like he's almost saying, that's evidence of, of mm. fruit in your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying he's saying we should be rude or, <laughs> but, but <laughs> yeah. that's a whole different passage, right? But <laughs> That'll, you can preach that on the week. I, I can't do the podcast or something. I'll let you yeah. preach that message. sister. <laughs> no, but I just, I love that. And I, you know, it just made me think about those situations and those times in my life when I've had to say, no, I can't do that. Right. Yeah. And and it was not received well because I, mm -hmm. because you, you kind of spoiled the party, you know, like, I, yeah. you know, it, I was thinking about a time in college where I literally spoiled the party because there was someone in my house that wanted to borrow my ID uh, to go buy kegs oh and uh, and I and I lived in this co-op house with these fantastic women that I enjoyed and uh, I've, I think if I remember correctly she was even a believer and um, I was like I'm sorry I can't I'm not I'm not gonna do that and she was just just trying everything and, and I <laughs> you know I like to make people happy I like to help people yeah. out and so it was kind of hard to be like no, I really am not going to let you do that. Like, mm. I, I, I can't. I can't let you go. I can't do that. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of an innocuous, you know, compare example. Was the But it was the first one that I thought of in this situation, you know, anyway. Well, good job, Kristen. Way to stand your ground. <laughs> <laughs> uh, proud of you. Yeah, so, yeah. 30 years ago. No, that's, a, that's actually, that, that's a great example because that, <laughs> That's real life. That's something maybe other people have faced in different ways. And, uh, go, you know, this is this is hard at work sometimes. Yeah. When everyone else is maybe maybe it's not like a huge moral question or theme or something, but maybe everybody else kind of steals this or that or takes something they're not supposed to. And it's just mm -hmm. that's just what everybody does. And you deciding, you know what, that's not fair to my boss or the company. That's not my property. That's, you know, I'm, I'm a lot of times that's even with clocking in and out. Yep. Um, inappropriately, you know, and you're going to choose to say, I'm, I'm just going to be honest about this. And if I'm late, I'm going to tell my boss I'm late. Sorry. You know, I'm going to, if I'm, you know, I'm not going to ask, you know, just, it's just being honest and that can cause that can make people go oh i hate you like they're just so so proper and so you know they throw well things here's after that. yeah and i'm thinking of a harder one i'm sorry to interrupt i i was like i was like the number of times when you're in a conversation and somebody who's not present is getting run down and oh, you right i'm telling ouch. you that's yeah. i know right and you have that moment of like these are people i love and they may not even be telling things that aren't true but you know Right. This is not a productive conversation. And, you know, I mean, you just the spirits like tap on the soldier and like, what am I going to do? You know, am I going to worry that I'm going to come off as the one who's shaming everybody or am I going to speak <laughs> the truth as lovely as I can in this moment? And and I've also been on the other side of that when someone who I love is kind of turn the conversation and I realize they're right. And then I have to decide, am I going to be defensive and offended that they kind of gently <laughs> mm -hmm. turn me back to the right path or am I going to be gracious and not allow my flesh to get offended but it's this is really for us in our lives a very practical uh, oh, kind yeah. of thing here yeah way better than my example I'm so glad you <laughs> well listen it didn't come to me until you were talking because I was trying to think of a good one before this I was like <laughs> That's I honestly I don't know what better example could it than the gossip thing. Yeah. Cuz we, you know, Christians gossip but we but we we say we're not gossiping when we say hey, in confidence I need you to pray over this with me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
or yeah. you know whatever we we say i really love this friend me no disrespect but you know yeah. um and i just got to tell somebody you know please, you know whatever and and sometimes we find ourselves in those situations without ever intending to be in that situation yeah. in that moment and we feel stuck or maybe we just don't realize that's what's happening and yeah so standing up even there is can be difficult it can be. Yep. It can be for sure. I mean, so, I think that the other one that I think of, Brian, is that how often it is acceptable to um, most groups have another group that they're willing to run down and that's acceptable. Make the goat, whether that's I used to have a rule when I worked uh, in uh, engineering, no wife jokes at the din at the lunch table because I'm a wife. Oh, because okay. it's acceptable mm -hmm. to sit around and be like, and I'm not picking on men because I mean, do I don't too, know. Right? Any, I, I don't know what you're talking about personally, <laughs> but go ahead. Right. But every group you have those things and, and, you know, it can be, um, it's a way to bond with each other, mm -hmm. but it, it definitely can cross that line. We're like, that's oh, not easily. okay. Easily. We can't bond together by putting somebody else down. Like that's not right. You yeah. know, that's so, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of falls into the coarse joking category for me. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is is it can uh, you know there's a certain maybe levity that that can happen when you have a bunch of men talking about marriage and there's some jokes that can be passed that are respectful that all guys yeah. struggle with or go through and things we need you can generally lump into a category that men need to do better in for one thing. Um but uh you know, you, you have to, you have to be mature and wise in that. And I, you know, I, I know there's times when I have personally um, probably crossed that line and been too disrespectful of my wife, even though she'd never hear of that. Um, I don't want, I want the, my example as a husband to be uplifting and encouraging towards not just my wife, but I want my daughter to feel that I want other women to feel that and to not be concerned with, you know, these guys are just being guys and yet we're giving them freedom to really walk in a level of sin. Right. Um, and that's not, that should not be our heart. And look at this. And this is, should be the, this is a great marriage segue here <laughs> actually in verse 16 by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren or fill in the gap there folks for my wife for my husband for my kids for my co you know this is this is specifically for each other for people that know jesus and are following the way but uh this this is we ought to be laying down our lives for each other not gossiping not mm -hmm. you know not walking in ways that are contrary to God's word uh, in the teachings of Jesus. Okay, I'm sorry to do this, but you just have set this up, and it, this is going to be painful for both of us. But, um, you know, as I, <laughs> what? As, I no, as I studied this, you know, um, a lot of what's going on here is the cult of worship to the emperor. And, you know, if you don't worship the Roman emperor, you are seen as subversive. You could be tortured, killed, whatever. And sure. part of what John is getting at is that these Christians literally – were laying down their lives if they were interrogated about who else is part of your house church, who else is not worshiping the emperor, they are very much at risk of losing their lives or, or, um, or maybe perhaps saving their lives by spilling the beans on who else mm. was at church last Sunday. So, you know, we're laughing about this and, and in, you know, it doesn't belittle at all our discussion because I think those are, it's very important. But what John is saying is they're literally laying down their lives mm -hmm. for each other. That's so literally good. like Jesus did. And it's just very sobering. Um, to, for me, I've just pondered this so much, like, because John just hits it home over and over. This is what you're supposed to do love each other like Jesus loved us. <laughs> and what did Jesus do? <laughs> right? He gave up mm -hmm. his life. He came mm -hmm. as a servant. He he lowered himself. He it just um it's super challenging and um very countercultural and that's mm -hmm. part of what he's pointing out to them, right? Like these other people, a lot of the 
you know, some of the scholars think that part of the push for them to come up with different reasons about Jesus was for people to escape some persecution. Because if I can say, you know, well, he's not completely divine, then I might be able to stay in the synagogue, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm able to find some way to kind of cut around the edges a little bit so that I don't run afoul of the Roman, you know, cult of the emperor so much, you know, so like that to me is so relatable. Um, but what's on the line for me is nothing like what was on the line for them. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I think that's yeah. a great point. And, uh, again, you know, there's, it goes into, it takes, it takes it a step further for us too, Chris. And it really takes mm -hmm. us into action, actionable mm -hmm. things and talking mm -hmm. about the poor and the needy or people that are in need. Sometimes it's not that you're poor or you're needy as a whole, your whole life, but sometimes in a moment you have needs sometimes. Right. You, you right. Know, um, and so John is yes. calling everybody like, Hey, this, this, these are gaps we can fill as brethren, mm, like as believers, that. and mm. uh, we should do that. And it's it's about more than just saying, hey, I love my neighbor. Well, if your neighbor needs something and you have the ability to meet that need, your love is lived out most powerfully by action, by taking a step to fill that need, not just by saying, I love my neighbor. And that's what mm -hmm. he calls, you know, he says, not, not, don't just let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth mm. and the truth of our love is lived out in action. Mm. It's not just what, I mean, I can say I love this or that all day long, but until I spend money on it, <laughs> until I obsess over it and do stuff to get it, to get there or whatever the situation may be. Put it aside my word. agenda, my, yeah. my, my priority of the thing I was trying to do. <laughs> the fact that I was expecting to be done for the day and go sit on the couch, you know, like mm -hmm. that's when it really starts to get at you. Right. Or the fact that I give up time, maybe sitting with the person that I really am looking forward to catching up with to sit with someone that um, needs someone sitting with them or I don't connect with as much or yeah. 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 Crazy. Well, what do you think about this last part, Kristen? I'm going to let you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excellent. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so John is just kind of, he has driven it home in 16. This is how we know what love is. He's defined love. But then he talks about, um, in how do we have confidence that we are children of God? Yeah, this is 19. Yeah. So he says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Um, and he talks about how when we are with God, we have this understanding that we are his children. But we, if we struggle with that, um, he says there's answers for that, too. So what I really mm -hmm. want to do, and I didn't tell you this, Brian, is I would love to read this in the message because um, I just think this is such a, an important security passage that is very down to earth, but is not as clear in the, at least in the NIV. So mm. let me just read it cool. here. We're going to read it to you guys. Uh, My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we know we're truly living, living in God's reality. It's also the way of shutting down debilitating self-criticism, even when mm. there is something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do about ourselves. And friends, once that's taken care of and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves, we're bold and free before God. We're able to stretch out our hands and receive what we asked for because we're doing what he said, doing what pleases him. Again, this is God's command to believe in his personally named son, Jesus Christ. He told us to love each other in line with the original commandment. As we keep his commands, we live deeply and surely in him and he lives in us. And this is how we experience his deep and abiding presence in us by the spirit he gave us. I just found that translation really moving. I love yeah. the way the freedom of being a child of God comes out in this passage. Um, and John acknowledges that there are times when, you know, 
we have a hard time figuring out where we're at or we're disappointed in, in how we've lived. And we realize, like we talked about earlier, like that's not the way I want to be living or the way of God's kingdom. But he just talks about the, the security of knowing that God knows us um, and and that um, even kind of the uh, understanding that the, that we're not living the right way is sort of evidence that we're God's yeah, children. Yeah. He doesn't mm-hmm. directly say that, but right. Like if you're struggling with it, that's because you know better. And yeah, that right yeah. there is evidence that God is moving in your heart to restore you and to um, just make you bold in his presence again. I just love that. Yeah. We need to remember too, uh, as we kind of wrap this up for today, that was a beautiful, I loved that was perfect. Kristen, thank you is, um, to keep in mind when we're talking about issues of sin and struggling with that, that um, there's a difference between shame and condemnation. Mm, yeah. And, or conviction is what yeah. I meant to say. And yeah, that, yeah. Um, that God does not desire us to live in shame. If we're not, if we're having an issue struggle, that's not his mm-hmm. heart for us, but the yeah. conviction of the Holy spirit, to make us uncomfortable with that sin is a part of God's immense grace to us and a reminder to us who we belong to. Mm-hmm. There ought to be struggle in sin. There ought to be, it, it ought to be, make you squirmy and like, there's just, it's off and, uh, you know, yeah. and sometimes we don't understand what it is. And sometimes we need, you know, to be shown that, reminded of that, yep. so either by a friend or by just reading God's word, or the whole work of the Holy Spirit over our lives. Right. Um, but shame is not from God the Father. Um, that is not God's heart for us. Conviction mm-hmm. and ought to help turn us towards the Lord. Shame will keep us away from turning back to God. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the devil's plan. That's what he wants to have happen. But when we recognize, hey, I'm uncomfortable and I feel this way because I know this isn't God's best for me. I know I'm right. choosing to walk outside of what God has for me in order to satisfy this or do this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, the issue is not an issue of does God love me or is he a forgiving God? The issue is which voice are we going to listen to? And yeah. is it the devil's? Is it the voice of the world's? Is it the voice of God in the Holy Spirit and who says, I'm right here. I never went anywhere. I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm ready yeah. to embrace you. And I'm mm. going to cast this as far as the East is from the West and mm. literally forget about it. Yeah. I love that. Still my beloved. So I love that. Great job today, Kristen. Thank you for being a part of this podcast as usual and talking through God's word as usual. I pray that these podcasts join Java are an encouragement to you and that it really does fuel your faith and that it encourages you to go deeper. That that is that would be like the biggest compliment if someone Absolutely. wrote us, emailed us, or called us or texted us and said, Hey, I, I tell you what, listening to you guys and how you talk about the Word of God is is challenging me to go deeper and to open up the Bible for myself. Um, that's what we desire, and we do want your faith to be fueled. Even though coffee fuels our bodies, the Word of God fuels <laughs> our faith. So. God bless you guys. Hope to see you Easter Sunday at 10 a.m. or 940 for the donut potluck gathering, whatever I called it um, before. Uh, We're excited to celebrate the risen Savior and all that means for us. Until next time, have a blessed week. Hide all your tears, put a smile on your face. Even claim to have no fears while you pick up the pace. You wonder who you are, you're constantly changing. But deep in your heart, a fire is raging. 
blame it on others Try to push the guilt away Close your eyes forever Run a million miles away But the pain will be with you Hiding deep in your soul You'll never find answers Cause you don't know where to go can say all the right words, wear a smile all day long Make your plans for tomorrow like you know it will come Just look in the mirror, what face do you see? Is it a prisoner or a captive set free? Climb the mountain, maybe make it to the top You can cross the ocean, but the feeling won't stop He's calling your name over and over again If you listen, you'll hear it like a whisper Like a whisper in the wind